You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Sean Myers as he delivers Anxious for Nothing. So welcome to 12 Stone here and across all of our campuses and online as well. And some of you are already catching on and laughing. Uh, If you weren't here last week, I gave Georgia Tech football a pretty hard time during my teaching. And uh, I think I underestimated how many Georgia Tech football fans we have here at 12 Stone because based on all the emails and Instagram messages and Facebook messages and comments, Uh, I I know that you are here now, so please, please, no more emails, don't send them in. Uh, Here's what I was going to do. I was going to write in my teaching here today uh, about how Georgia Tech football is just so good, but since we only preach the truth here at 12 Stone, uh, (laughs) uh, I figured this t-shirt would just have to do, so you get to look at it during the teaching. Man, I love that we get to play around with one another on stuff like this. And so Georgia Tech football fans, we hear you. We know you're there. You matter to God. You matter to us. You just don't matter to college football. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> brutal. So church, we ready to get into it today? You guys ready to go to work? Yeah? Better yet, you ready to watch God go to work inside of each and every one of us. Let's go after it today. And I want to start off today's teaching with a question, and it's a question that affects every single one of us a little bit differently, and here it is. This is the question. What habit do you need to change? Now, you have to notice right away that this doesn't say, what habit does your spouse need to change? What habit does your kid need to change? What habit does your friend need to change. I mean, I think we can all be honest. We're sitting next to some habits that we'd like to change. Yes, we get it. Uh, And so, in fact, the confession moment, how many of you uh, know a habit that you would like to change of someone that's close to you? It just drives you crazy. You want to, yes, okay, a lot of us. Uh, My wife would love to change the habit of the way that I eat cereal, right? I slurp the milk, chomp with my mouth open. I don't know why I do it. It drives her nuts. She would give anything to change that. But that's not the question here today. The question is, what habit do you need to change? And the difficulty about this question is we can't always see the habits that we have in our lives, right? They're not always easy to see. But that's why God puts us into relationships so other people can help us to see it. My wife, Cassie helps me see the habits I need to change. Uh, in fact, there was one day that she did. She helped me see something I couldn't see myself. And it, it, what we do around our house is we have this thing called a cleaning session. And what this means is in our household, my wife will walk into the room, walk into the house, and yell to everybody, all right, we're gonna have a cleaning session right now, which literally means everybody's gonna stop everything they're doing to clean the house 
for 15 minutes. And then we can all go back to whatever we were doing and relax and have fun or whatever we want to do. Now, this particular day when she said we were going to have a cleaning session, I, I thought to myself, and I said out loud, I was like, you know what? I, I just don't want to have a cleaning session because I don't think I've contributed to the mess. Like, I just haven't done it. And so my wife goes, oh, really? Oh, okay. Uh, well, how about, and, and she suggests, how about we start picking up all the stuff around the house and putting them in piles to who they belong to? And I said, sure, why not? I mean, I, don't have, I didn't make a mess. Why not? Let's do it. And so we start this process. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I have the ability to catch on. And as soon as we're going through this process, I am watching my pile grow as everybody else's piles is trying to catch up. And I'm realizing, man, I've got a problem. And I immediately interrupted. I said, Cassie, I think we should stop. I think we need to have a cleaning session today, all of us. And she goes, really, all of us, as she's standing in front of none of her stuff. Uh, and I'm like, yes, all of us. But it was like a self-discovery moment. Like, I just didn't know I was a messy person. And my wife was just showing me, you are. <laughs> You're messy. And, and, and I realized it for the first time. And that's what makes this so difficult of a question. Because you can't always see the habits that are inside of your life that need to change. As I was writing this message this week, God helped me to see a habit that Cassie and I needed to change. And it was a moment where we broke down because of all the things we were facing and deal with, dealing with in life. Uh, we were, were doing our taxes, that should be enough, uh, buying a house, packing to move, which means we're living out of boxes, paying off a van, not getting any sleep because our six-month-old is teething, trying to keep a house clean with six people in it, all while on spring break, which means all four kids are home. And we just had a moment where the anxiety and the pressure and the weight of life just broke us down. Have you ever had a moment like that you had a moment where, where just life just weighed on you so much that you just broke down in the moment. I think every single one of us here and listening could, could make a list of the different pressures and weights that we're carrying inside of our life that are weighing us down right here and now. And when we broke down, when Cassie and I broke down from the stress and anxiety, God grabbed my attention in that moment. And he said, Sean, teach on this. Teach people how to walk through their anxiety and worry and stress. Teach people how to rest in my presence. And so today, God wants to do that. He wants to help us change a habit that's inside of our lives that we can't always see. And here it is. It's the habit, the habit of allowing our stress and anxiety to weigh us down to the point where it breaks us down. Let me say it this way. We are allowing our stress and anxiety to have too much power over our lives. Between marriage, parenting, our relationships and dating, our finances and work, our faith, the stress and anxiety that comes from managing and balancing all of those different things in our lives is breaking us down. It's breaking us down in our spiritual lives, physical lives, emotional lives, and intellectual lives. So much so that I would dare to say that here today, there's a lot of you that you would be willing to say that you're not the spouse you wanna be, you're not the parent that you wanna be, you're not the friend that you wanna be, you're not the follower of Jesus that you wanna be because you just keep breaking down in anxiety and worry in your life. And today, 
God is going to show us that we don't have to let the pressure of life weigh us down to the point of breaking down. Let me read the words of Paul. Paul has encouraging words for us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. One of the most encouraging things that you'll ever read. And this is what Paul says. The Lord is near. I mean, just start there. I mean, that is just good news. God is near. He is present. He is here with us. He's not distant and far off. He's in the details of our lives. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And as soon as we read this, we should recognize that Paul is giving an if-then statement. What he's saying is, if the Lord is near, which he is, then you do not have to be anxious about anything. That's good news. But in every situation, every situation, whether it's good, bad, difficult, hard, whatever you're walking through, in every situation, we don't have to be anxious. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And what Paul is trying to tell us and show us and reveal to us in this point of scripture is one of the points, the main point, we're going to be going after a spiritual truth inside of our lives. You can write it down, it's in your notes, and here it is. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Jesus. Peace is not when there's no conflict inside of our lives, nothing difficult that we're walking through, no weight that we're carrying. That's not peace. Peace is in the amongst. In every one of those situations, we can have peace because Jesus is with us. Why can we have peace? Because Jesus is peace. That's who he is. He's a non-anxious presence inside of our lives. And Paul is trying to help us realize that. So today, we're gonna walk through how do we get from moving from anxiousness inside of our lives to being anxious for nothing. Doesn't that sound good? I want me some of that. Like, how do we do this? Well, we're gonna realize today that it's through rest. It's through the rest of the presence of God inside our lives. It's gonna help us get to an an anxious for nothing place in our lives because we need to rest in the fact that the Lord is near and confront this anxiety and stress that is weighing us down to the point of breaking down. We have to confront it. We have to go after it. And we're going to do that today by going back into a scripture we briefly talked about last week in week one of spring break. We're going to go back to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 31, where Jesus talks about his yoke. So grab your Bibles, your worship center Bibles. They're underneath your chairs, in front of your chairs. Turn them over to page uh, 977, page 977, worship center Bibles. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. This will be the top left of page 977 that we're starting. Now as you're turning there and getting our Bibles ready, can we take a moment to pray? to ask that the Holy Spirit would lead us as we read the word of God, that it would impact our lives and help us here today. So bow your heads with me here and across all of our campuses and online. Let's go to our Heavenly Father. Father in heaven, every single person here today has anxiety and stress and worry in their lives. Jesus, we confess that the anxiety is more than we can bear on our own and that so many of us are breaking down because of it. I'm asking that today you would use your word to reveal to us how we can be anxious for nothing, 
by placing our trust back in you and simply by just being in your presence here today, Jesus. I pray, Father, that my words would be your words. May you, Father, lead us. Holy Spirit, lead us here today. And as you taught us to pray, we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done here today as it is in heaven. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Let's get after it. Starting in verse 28, I'll read and then we can walk through it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is Jesus inviting us into? Well, he spells it out pretty clearly. It's rest. It's what we've been talking about. But what is rest? Like, what is rest actually? Is it sleeping in? Is it taking a nap? Is it sitting down for a minute? Is it getting a massage? Is it going out for a date night? Is it going for a hike outside? What, what is rest? And I'm curious, here and across all of our campuses, let's just see where we're at when it comes to rest. If you could have a moment of uninterrupted rest, what would you choose to do? How many of you were like, give me a nap? Absolutely, I'm gonna go take a nap. A lot of us, we're, we're tired, we're gonna, we're gonna go take naps. How many of us, it's like, man, I wanna go watch TV. Put something on the TV, I'm gonna be couch potato, just sit down, I'm there. Uh, what, how many of you, it's hang out with friends or family? Just go do something fun, being with friends, hanging out, okay. How many of you, it's, uh, it's do something outside. I'm an outside person, I just wanna go hike, I wanna do, okay, some of us. Some of us are like, amen, yes, I'll take it all. Give me that, why not? Just give me some rest. But here's what, we, here's what matters. Rest for every single one of us looks a little bit different, doesn't it? It looks a little bit different to each and every one of us. We would all choose something different. For example, like if I wanted to rest, I would watch NASCAR. And I don't mean sleep through it. I don't mean sleep. One person cares, yes. And I don't mean sleep through it, right? For some of you, that sounds like torture, watching cars go around a circle, turning left for hours at end. For me, I love it. That's because rest looks different for all of us. But what we have to see in this point of scripture is Jesus is inviting us into a rest that goes beyond what we're physically doing. And it takes us to a place where he is meeting us emotionally and spiritually and giving us rest. And based on verse 28, I think Jesus is showing us that rest is a holy time set apart for God. You can write that down. Rest is a holy time set apart for God. Here's what verse 28 says. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. See, the words come to me, that says stop everything else you're doing. Put the phone away, put the calendar away, put work away, and just come be with me. See, rest is a holy time set aside for God. And Jesus continues, and I will give you rest. Now, here's the part of the passage that we're going to sit in that's very interesting to me, and I think God has something for us in it. It says this, take my yoke, take my what? Yoke upon you. Now, I think the majority of us would be looking for Jesus to say something else after he invites us into rest, right? Like, take up my nap and relax. Take, it, take up a spa day at Chateau Alain and find some rest. But that's not what he does. He gives us a work order. He says, take up my yoke and follow me. It's weird that Jesus would offer rest and then use an instrument of work to illustrate it for us. Do you know what a yoke is? Anybody know what a yoke is? Let me show you. This is what a yoke is, what Jesus is referring to in this point of scripture. 
Uh, and this is, uh, this is used in farming, agriculture. Uh, this is used for pulling a weight behind it. And what they would literally do is they would take this yoke and they would place it over the, the neck, the head, the back of two animals, usually ox, maybe horses, uh, but they would place it over their back. And what the yoke does is it distributes the weight evenly across both animals so that they can pull a larger weight behind them, that they can pull a larger load. And, and so they would place this on two animals, but it goes even deeper because one of the animals that they would place it on, one of the ox, would be very strong. He would be well-seasoned. He would know the voice of his master, meaning he would know when to start, when to stop, when to turn left, when to go right. He would understand his master's voice. And then the other ox that they would put on the other side was usually not well-seasoned. It had a lot of strength, a lot of raw potential, but it wouldn't understand the master's commands to start and stop. And so they would yoke them together so that the one that is learning could learn the master's voice based on the ox that knew what was going on. Cool little diagram. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into. He's saying, get under my yoke. I'll be over here, you be over there, and let's go. He wants to help us distribute the weight of life and what's going on, the pressures and the weight. He wants to help us to learn to hear his voice. This is a yoke. This is what Jesus is talking about. Now, it's one thing to just show you a yoke, right? But if we're gonna do the illustration, let's do the illustration. Let's make this matter here today. Let's have a little bit of fun. You guys with me? We're okay, we're gonna do this? So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna come right off stage. People are getting nervous. Pastor's walking off stage uh, and going down. Let's go down the aisles over here. I got my guys ready for me uh, to make this happen. I'm gonna hand this to you guys and you can start hooking this up. And so here's what's going on. Jesus is literally saying to each and every one of us, get under my yoke. See, you all have pressures inside of life. You have things that you're carrying, that you're pulling, that you're trying to do inside of this life. And Jesus is going, don't do it on your own. I didn't design you for that. And this back here, this is a weight sled. This is what Jesus is talking about. Imagine this is all the weight and the pressure and anxiety of your finances and marriage and parenting and, and your work career and what you're trying to do. And Jesus is saying, I understand you're all trying to pull this weight, but you can't do it on your own. I didn't design you to do that. Now, let, let me just do this. Let's go after this, because why not? We got a yoke. We got some weight. I'm realizing in this moment my pride and ego are completely on the line right now. Uh, this is about 300 pounds behind me, and I don't think the Georgia Tech shirt is going to help. But uh, <laughs> we're going to go after this regardless, righty? Uh, I'm going to attempt to pull this way and see what happens. Here we go. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That wasn't really that. All right, here we go. Ready? I'm going to pull this way. All right. Feeling good. Feeling the burn. This is what Jesus is talking about. And this is what so many of us look like. We're sitting here in this weight and pressure of life and anxiety. And we're just trying to pull it. And Jesus is saying, listen, I never designed you to do this on your own. Don't. And so to make this work, I, man, here's what we're going to do. I need a volunteer. And don't get up. Just sit in your seats. I need someone that has got muscles, that is just ripped and built and ready to help me do this like Jesus would. And you know what? I'm looking around the room. I think we're going to pick this guy right over here. Come here, buddy. Santa, oh, dear goodness. How you doing, my friend? You know, I've been working out in anticipation of this moment. I don't think it's helping my cause. Your biceps are as big as my head. Uh, 
This is church. This is Will. He was obviously planted over here. He's been waiting uh, for me. Will was actually baptized on our 25th anniversary as a church. How cool is that? Cool stuff, man. Awesome. But I need your help. I need your help. We're going to pull this weight and make this illustration really come to life as Jesus intended, and I have a feeling you're going to do all the work. So uh, let's come over here. Why don't you hop on the left side? I'll come on the right, uh, and we're going to pull this bad boy uh, down these. Now, you saw how much I struggled. This is 300 pounds, and uh, we're going to start pulling. You ready? Make this look easy? All right, here we go. All right, we're pulling. We're going. And this is what Jesus is saying, right? This is all he's doing. He's saying, don't do it on your own. Don't. Why would you do that? Get under my yoke. And can I show you what it really looks like to be under the yoke of Jesus? This is what it looks like. I'm not doing anything, right? I'm not doing anything. You're good. We can set it down right there. I'm not doing a single thing. Nothing I'm doing. Jesus does all the work. Can we give Will a hand? Thank you, my friend, for being here. And church, let's make a point. Let's make a point. Why would I pick Will? to do this illustration with me, it's so obvious, right? Just ask him to flex, he doesn't even have to. Like, he's got muscles in places I didn't know you could. Like, of course I'm gonna pick him, right? And what's so interesting to me and what I think Jesus is trying to tell us here today is that he's going, listen, when it comes to the emotional weight, the spiritual weight of life and what you're carrying, why would you pick anyone else but Jesus? Why would you do that? In church, I want you to hear me. We turn to so many other places to help us with the weight of life. Some of us try to escape it. We go to addictions, we go to hobbies, we go to anything that'll preoccupy our time to get that off our mind. Some of us, we turn to the church. We jump into small group. We listen to teaching on Sunday. We, we enjoy a great service at 12, so, but can I tell you something? None of those things can take the pressure and weight off your life like a relationship with Jesus Christ. It can't replace it. It just can't. We gotta get under his yoke. You gotta get under his yoke. That's what he's inviting us to. He's saying, listen, take the weight of life and balance it across my shoulders. I got it with you. And it doesn't remove responsibility. It just demonstrates that he can carry it with you. You don't have to do it alone. And this is what Jesus is inviting us into. Why would we turn anywhere else? He's saying, come to me. I got this. It breaks down for us when we don't turn to Jesus, when we turn anywhere else but to him. See, and this is why he invites us to take up his yoke. Because we learn to hear his voice under his yoke. We learn to transfer our anxiety and the weight of life onto his shoulders as well, getting under the yoke. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That word learn is important. It's similar to the word that's translated make disciples in his uh, sermon when he gives the Great Commission. Jesus is essentially saying, learn what it means to be my disciple and you will find rest for your soul. We have to get under the yoke with Jesus. So what does that actually look like? Let's go after the rest, of this, the rest of this teaching. What does that actually look like? What happens inside of the rest of Jesus when we get under the yoke with him? There's two ways that we engage with rest, and we have to notice it uh, through what Jesus says. See, Jesus uses the word rest twice in this point of scripture. 
But what we don't see is that in the original language it was written in the Greek, those are two different words that mean two different things. So the first case of this word is in verse 28. He says, I will give you rest. It's a rest that only Jesus can give. And the word means to revive, to bring back to life. And what Jesus is saying is there is a rest only I can give, and it's through salvation. And then the second word he uses for rest, he says, there's a rest that you will find. You will find this rest. That's not given to us. We have to find it. And that word means relief from. And what Jesus is saying is there is a rest that you can only find when you give me relief and when you surrender to me in my will in your life. Here's the insight that Jesus is trying to give us through, through this double word. It's resting in the yoke of Jesus takes our anxiety away by reminding us that our eternity is solved through salvation and that God is in control through surrender. You can write it in your notes this way. We rest through celebrating our salvation and surrendering to his will. And let's break those down. First, celebrating our salvation. I was talking to... Uh, Barry Lusk, who's our Sugarloaf campus pastor, and he was telling me a story last week about what's going on at their campus and what they're experiencing in a group called Sober Living America. Uh, they've been experiencing some incredible things over the past three months, and he turned me uh, to a small group leader, a 12-stoner, who was serving at Sober Living America named Barry Henson. And I asked Barry Henson to shoot me an email about what God is doing over at the Sober Living America and in the Sugarloaf campus. And I want to read that email because we can celebrate some salvation. Here's what he said. This is Barry Henson. For 20 years, I personally fought and lost an exhausting battle with addiction. I was unable, based on my own strength, to fight and control this struggle within me. And I was desperately in need of rest. I found my rest in Jesus 15 years ago. As a leader, I have now seen this play out over and over again in other people's lives. Most recently, as a number of men have come to Jesus in our outreach in the local Duluth treatment facility. I wanna come over here because we got some pictures of this as I keep reading. Since the first of the year, seven of those men have also made a public profession of faith and marked themselves for Jesus at the Sugarloaf campus through baptism. We have seen the love of Christ as this church has poured into these men, opened our doors, and made them feel accepted. Our small group has supported them by providing funding for life recovery Bibles that relate the gospel to the 12-step program they participate in. We have witnessed the tangible evidence of the offer in Matthew from Jesus himself, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it's all because of Jesus. Church, can we celebrate that for just a minute? Come on. Awesome, awesome. And for the first time ever, first time ever, these guys are experiencing a rest that only Jesus can give through his salvation. And you know what they're experiencing? They're realizing that there is no situation, there is nothing that this world can throw at them that Jesus hasn't already defeated. See, their addictions are broken. And what I love, love about this story is that Barry Henson, the 12-stoner who leads a small group, he didn't treat his salvation like a finish line. He treated it like a starting line. Stay with me. He himself was addicted. He had addictions in his life like most of us do. And, and, and he met Jesus 
in the moment and surrendered his life to Jesus, but he didn't stop there. It wasn't a finish line. He realized, man, this is a starting line. And he went out, sought out other men that were struggling with the same thing, sat down with them and shared his story and celebrated salvation. And we are celebrating seven men that have given their life to Christ because of it. Yes, church. Where are we treating salvation in our lives like it's a finish line when Jesus is going, I'm just getting started? Part of resting under the yoke of Jesus is celebrating our salvation. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you shared your salvation story with someone? When's the last time you shared your salvation story with your heavenly father? Some of you are sitting here going, wait, share with God, he already knows. Yeah, but what father doesn't want to hear a story about how he rescued his children, right? I had this moment when my son was riding a bike down the side of the road, and, and he lost control, and he was about to go over into the road, and a car was coming straight out, and I grabbed him as quick as I could, and he goes, Dad, you saved me. I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. And there's times where he'll bring it back up, and every time he shares a story, I'm like, tell me again. Tell me again how I saved you. Our Heavenly Father's no different. Man, well, put it on your calendar this week to write out your salvation story and then take a moment to sit down with your Heavenly Father and just tell him. Because in that moment, he's gonna smile. He's gonna look down at his child, his son and daughter. And when you get done, he's gonna go, tell me again. I wanna hear it again. And in that moment, the rest of Jesus is gonna come across that yoke to your shoulders. And anxiety and worry is gonna leave because your salvation and your eternity is solved through Jesus Christ. What does a revival look like? It's obviously God moving and stirring and doing what only he can do. But I wonder, what if a revival begins by grandparents sitting down with their grandchildren saying, let me tell you about how Jesus saved me. What if it looks like parents sitting down with their kids and going, son, you got to know that your dad was jacked up. And I got to show you what Jesus has rescued me from and how he saved me. Students, what if it's you going home to your parents who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who don't attend church? What if it's you going home to your parents and saying, Mom, Dad, sit down. I got to tell you how Jesus has saved me. See, there is a power inside of us sharing our stories of salvation to the people around us. Because Jesus shows up in those moments like he did at Sugarloaf, like he did at Sober Living America. When is the last time you celebrated your salvation and shared your story? You might want to put that one down as something to do. Jesus is with us saying, go after it. Do it. The second way we rest under Jesus' yoke is by surrendering to his will. Your life would be more fulfilling. You would have peace in your life. You would experience the rest that Jesus is offering if you spent your time leaning into his will instead of trying to bend him towards yours. A yoke's basic function is to put yourself on the same path as the person you're yoked to. And the problem is, most of us are inviting Jesus under our yoke rather than us getting under his. See, we're trying to do marriage our own way. 
trying to parent our own way. We're trying to do our career the way we want to do it. We're trying to handle our finances how we would choose. And when we put it all on our own shoulders, that's when we break down in anxiety. And Jesus is saying, I got another way for you. Like, get under the yoke. Let's go. Follow me. I will lead you. So why is this so difficult for us to do? Why is this so difficult? Because we don't like not being in control, right? Like, we just want to be in control. I want to control everything around me. I just do. Judge me. I don't care. You're the same. But we all want to be in control, right? In fact, I, we, there was a moment my wife caught on video with my son Beckett where we shared the bad news that Toys R Us was closing. And she was smart enough to get it on video. But this is a moment where we captured our son, where he wanted to be in control, where he didn't want this store to close, but he had to surrender to somebody else's will. This thing was closing, whether you liked it or not. Check it out. Toys R Us is closing. Is it really? I know it's your favorite store, buddy. Come here. Why does that make you so sad? Because that's my favorite store. I know. I know. And we always go there and look at toys, don't we, and have fun? No. No? We don't? We never do. <laughs> you wish we want more? All right, it's okay, buddy. A new store will go in. And I think sometimes that's what we look like when we realize we're not getting what we want. Like we have to surrender to the fact that it's going to go a different way. And that's just true. Because listen, we want to be in control. We want to be in control of our circumstances, our relationships, and everything around us. And this is where it breaks down. But Jesus hasn't called us to be God. He's called us to be a disciple. To follow him, to get under his yoke. To surrender to his will and trust in him alone to lead us. Chances are that in the areas of our lives where we are breaking down in anxiety, these are the places we haven't surrendered back to God and given him control over it. So as we bring these two weeks of spring break to an end, as we have been talking about rest and figuring out how we experience this rest that Jesus is offering, we have got to get into the habit of getting back under Jesus' yoke and trusting in him and learning to hear his voice as he leads us in our lives and trusting him and surrendering our will to his when we don't even understand what's going on. What we need to remember is that God is good. That Jesus loves you. He is so good. He died on the cross for you. He is faithful always. And you can get under his yoke and he will help you transfer the pressure and anxiety of your life over to his back, his shoulders. And he will carry that weight with you. So may we rest in that because peace is not the absence of conflict but the presence of Jesus in our lives. So as we turn this service over to the campus pastors, we want to have a moment just to pray over you, to pray over the situations that you're in, the circumstances that you're facing, where conflict is evident, but we want to pray the peace of Jesus over you. 
And we wanna challenge you, change that habit in your life. Get into moments of rest with Jesus. Set apart holy time for him where you can get back under his yoke.